This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Got some Monday night football with Cincinnati visiting Cleveland to close out a week number eight. No baseball as game three of the World Series washed away by rain. So they will try to get it in tomorrow. Should get it in tomorrow. The forecast is going to be more favorable, but alters the pitching a little bit possibly here. Certainly for the Phillies who are going to go with a bullpen kind of game tonight despite Syndergaard getting the nod so we'll see how it impacts the strategy and so on and so forth nevertheless uh you know we got some stuff to talk about on this overreaction Monday and it's always great to have one of these overreaction Monday shows when the schedule permits and if you want to chime in as we said 800-919-3776 at Dan Grasa G-R-A-C-A on Twitter is where you're going to be able to find me and we'll get to the giant stuff a little bit later on and if you heard me a couple of minutes ago with the uh, the K-Show guys, you know, if you're a Giant fan, yeah, I'm sure you're slightly disappointed as to what happened yesterday in Seattle. You know, it wasn't the cleanest game from top to bottom, and then Seattle kind of pulled away in the fourth quarter, a fourth quarter where, you know, the Giants have generally found a way to produce the answers throughout the course of the season, but they didn't get a chance to do that yesterday. So you take it into the bye week, you're 6-2, and two, and, you know, you reevaluate things. And the bye week, I think, is coming at a great time for the Giants, too, because you know, and if you follow them, that they need to get healthy as much as possible here because they are so banged up. And I think that you saw the lack of manpower hurting them in that game up there in the Great Northwest yesterday. So we'll get to all the Giants stuff a little bit later on here. But we got to start with the Jets first and foremost. And, you know, last week, the couple of shows that we did, a lot of the Jet fans called in. They were fired up. They were ready for that game, even though we were more than like 48 hours even away from the kickoff. They couldn't wait for Sunday at 1 o'clock to get here. You know, when the Jets put out that campaign, pack up the barbecues, get into the stadium, we're going to shoot the fireworks off, be part of the pregame festivities, be part of the J-E-T-S chant when the game starts, really produce that home field advantage that visiting teams are going to come to expect when they walk in to play the Jets. And the fans couldn't wait. Fans smelled blood, right? They were like a shark in the water. They knew that now was the opportunity, and we had been saying it all week, right? If not now, when? That the Jets were finally maybe going to exercise some of these demons when it came to the New England Patriots. Hell, you lost 12 straight games to them. And I said the other day, if you take off the helmets and if you take off the jerseys and you just have on one sideline Team A and on one sideline Team B, and if you're just evaluating them as players, Jets got the better team. Jets got the better talent. Jets got the home field advantage. All of those things. Jets have been playing good football, riding a four-game winning streak. So you add all those things up and you felt that yesterday was going to be the day. Patriots just got their rear ends kicked at home on Monday night to a very, very underwhelming Chicago Bears team. So everything was lining up for the Jets to go out there yesterday and finally, finally beat the Patriots. Throw in the fact that they remember the 54-13 game last year. Revenge was going to be a plate served nice and hot. But what happened? What happened was, got a bit of a buzzkill, don't you think? Bit of a buzzkill with the way that game played itself out. And I still think even after that game was played yesterday, I still think that the Jets are the better team, and I think they have better talent than the Patriots do. 
and they're going to get a chance to prove it again in a couple of weeks when they go up there to New England. If you thought before the season started, and even as this season started to play out, that the Jets were capable of winning at least one game against the Patriots this year, splitting it, okay, you could still accomplish that task, except you're going to have to do it the hard way and win on the road. But Chicago went up there and beat them. Chicago went up there and kicked their butts. Jets can't. But you know what the problem with yesterday was? Jets didn't execute. They didn't execute close to as flawlessly as you need to execute if you want to win a division game. And I think it's no secret that if you watch that game yesterday, the quarterback was the main culprit. I know he didn't necessarily think he was when the media asked him after the game if he felt he was the one who was, you know, most to blame for the loss. He said, no, it's a team effort, which it is. But if you go back and watch the game and if you go down and, you know, chronicle the critical moments in that game, I think a lot of it was on the quarterback's shoulders. Look, the quarterback is the only guy, aside from the head coach, that gets a win or a loss attached to his name in professional football or in the game of football, right? You got a head coach who has a record. You got a quarterback who's got a record. The running back doesn't have a record. Nobody's sitting there and seeing what the career win-loss mark is for the left guard or for a strong safety. Right? We're not doing that. It's the quarterback and the coach. The quarterback's the one that makes the most money, has the ball in his hands on every single play, so he should bear the most responsibility. But there's a caveat, though. You know, this one wasn't like all the other disappointments in the past. There was a difference here with this one. There was a difference from years past of Bill Belichick taking on a young Jets quarterback and confusing and confounding him with all these exotic looks and disguising coverages and schemes. This wasn't an I see ghosts moment yesterday with Zach Wilson. You know what it was? It was self-inflicted errors, unforced errors for all my tennis fans out there. Zach Wilson made one too many unforced errors yesterday, and the Jets were able to overcome it. First interception... Late in the second quarter, he was backpedaling. He threw off his back foot. It was poor mechanics, and he overthrew Ty Johnson in the flat there. New England picked it off. All right. It wasn't even a bad decision. It was just poorly executed, poor mechanics. All right, fine. You shake it off. First turnover in four games. All right, maybe it's not going to be crippling. Maybe you still think that he's going to have this game under control, that the mistakes are not going to continue to mount when it comes to that stuff. But then we get to the second half. And then you have the second and then the third interceptions, which, I I, I mean, I don't know any other way to say it, but they were mind-numbing decisions. I, I, I just don't know for the life of me why you would throw the ball there in any circumstance. Unless it was fourth down, late in the fourth quarter, It was the last play of the game. You needed to make something happen to save your life or whatever. That's the only circumstance or any excuse you would use to throw those two passes because the game was going to be over if you didn't get rid of it. But in those situations, why treat the ball like it's on fire? Throw it away. I I mean, you know what it looked like? I mean, watching it at live speed at the stadium yesterday when he made those throws and even going back and watching them now on replay, It's almost like the word careless comes to mind, right? And it's almost like those are the type of things you do when you're out in the schoolyard with your buddies 
and you're just fooling around out there and you're just, you know, there's no circumstance or no consequence. You just throw it up. You see what happens. Having some fun out there. Live to see another down. We're just fooling around. This isn't fooling around. Saint your buddies. It's professional football. And he's not a rookie anymore. I don't even care if you are a rookie. If you get to the NFL, you don't make those throws. You make those throws in a game in junior college. I mean, what did he think was going to happen? And it's easier said than done. I know, you know, walk a mile in a man's shoes. If you were out there, what would you do? I get all that stuff. But there was not, I mean, you could look at it from any angle you want. You could look at the old 22. You could look at the end zone cam. You could look at the sideline footage. Look, anybody you want. There was nobody in sight that he was throwing the football to in a black jersey yesterday on either one of those throws. And then he made a real curious comment after the game yesterday. When he said, well, you know what? I, it, it gets boring just throwing the game away. And we'll play the cuts for you a little bit later on, but I'm paraphrasing. He said, well, you know, it gets kind of boring just throwing the ball away. Boring to who? Boring to your team? Boring to you? Like, that's where you kind of lose me for a second. I mean, is it out there just trying to play hero ball? Is it out there just trying to look good for the guy who has you on their fantasy team? Or are you trying to do the right thing to help your team win games? Because the last few weeks, you were doing the right things to help your team win games. You were avoiding the critical mistake and avoiding the critical error. And yesterday, it was always like, well, you know what? Three weeks of this stuff, I'm done. I'm just going to heave it up and then see what happens. Hello. And it didn't even have to be against the New England Patriots. I mean, you can't make those decisions against the Houston Texans. It's going to come back to bite you. But especially a team like New England, which is well-coached, even though they are lacking talent in a big-time way, at least compared to even the Jets. Compared to the Jets. It's miraculous the defense only gave up six points yesterday off of the turnovers and off of the miscues. They only allowed two field goals. The defense did all they could yesterday, all they could, to keep them in that football game. Six sacks of the quarterback, could have even had more. The only blemish came first drive of the second half where, we'll get into this a little bit later on too, you wonder if there was any sort of a hangover from the way the first half ended with that very questionable roughing the passer penalty on John Franklin Myers which wiped out what would have been a 17-3 lead for the Jets. The only difference, too, I'll throw in another one from the type of outing you saw yesterday, is that last year, last year this team was young. This team was a new program. Everybody was kind of taking their lumps, right? They weren't a good football team last year. Quarterback was getting his feet wet in the NFL, what it means to be a pro, what it means to be a starter. Others on the roster as well. You didn't really necessarily care all too much if some of that haphazard play was costing you games. But that's not the case now. It shouldn't be the case. Now you're 5-3. and three. You're at the midway point of the season. Even though you play 17, it's still pretty much the midway point of the season. But you're in a playoff conversation. You know, this isn't just going to be like, oh, one of them years, you worry about where you're picking in the draft and develop. No, no, no. You're trying to win now. And if you've watched this team play for eight weeks, you realize that even despite the injuries that they suffered last week to a couple of really good key football players, 
This is a playoff caliber roster. You see how that defense plays? That's a damn good defense. That is a playoff defense that they have on this football team. And dare I say that this Jets team could be quote-unquote dangerous with capable quarterback play the rest of the season and down the stretch. Now the question is, will you get it? Want to hear from you. 800-919-3776. That's a telephone number. We'll get into more on this game as well. Like I said, the sequence at the end of the first half, we got to talk about that one as well. But your takeaways from what you saw yesterday in MetLife Stadium. We'll get into the Giants. We'll go around the NFL. There were a couple of interesting moments in week number eight. Plus some other things on the agenda too, like, as Michael was saying, that team that plays basketball in Brooklyn, what a disgrace they are. It's an overreaction Monday. We live for these, don't we? Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> on this overreaction Monday here on 98.7 ESPN, talking Jets, five-point setback to the New England Patriots yesterday at MetLife Stadium. And, I mean, like, you know, I, I even said this in the postgame show yesterday with Greg. Big picture-wise, right, if you thought about what the expectations were before the season started, if you take a step back, if you take a breath and evaluate where things are right now, despite yesterday's performance, you're 5-3 and three at the midway point. Anybody would have signed up for that, right? 5-3, and three, you play average ball the rest of the way, and you're going to have a chance to be in the conversation for a playoff spot. I think anybody would have taken it. However, it's how you got to that 5-3 to three recently, right? And you lose to a team that you haven't beaten in forever. There were some people at that game yesterday that maybe weren't even born yet the last time the Jets beat the Patriots, which is a weird thought. But, you know, I, I saw the comments that Dan Orlovsky made today on ESPN. I think it was on Get Up, pretty sure. And talking about Zach Wilson, and, you know, Dan Orlovsky has been a big Zach Wilson proponent, really going back to the BYU days into the draft process and everything. As a matter of fact, I think Orlovsky already has a table booked in Canton, Ohio for when Zach goes in the Hall of Fame. Like, that's how big of a Zach Wilson supporter he is. It's got his name on it, like the little sign in the middle of the table, like the centerpiece reserved for Orlovsky and family. But I thought what he said about Zach yesterday specifically was spot on. Take a listen. This was him from this morning. 
If I was in Zach Wilson's quarterback room right now, this is what I would say to him. It's time to grow the fudge up, dude. Amen. It's time to grow up, dude. You're not in the Mountain West anymore, champ. Yeah. Okay? The, uh, Gary Kubiak called me over as a young quarterback one time and said, you got to understand, man, that when you have that ball in your mm -hmm. hands, you have everybody else's job in our building. Livelihoods, yeah. It's not just yours. Yep. It's everybody. There's a difference between carelessness and aggression. There's a difference between confidence and ego. Right now, you play with such ego, such carelessness, such recklessness with the football and there's moments in that game where you sit there and go that's what it looks like there's that second round talent but these decisions are unbelievably reckless you don't have to do this anymore Zach you are a talented enough player and there's 70 snaps a game this means you have to grow up because right now you're holding your football team and certainly your offense back it's hard to disagree with really anything that he said right there really and truly is because I don't know what the next few weeks are going to hold. Remember, this was only the first game they played without Brees Hall and Elijah Vera Tucker. You know, a lot of people are saying, no, without Brees Hall, without Brees Hall. AVT is a big loss. And I I've said to me, as far as how this team is made up right now, AVT is a bigger loss than Brees Hall. Because he was by far their best offensive lineman. And you saw that offensive line yesterday not exactly play as well as it has in the preceding weeks. You know, he was running for his life yesterday on a lot of occasions, even though some of that was self-inflicted, which I'll get to in a second. But AVT, you didn't have to worry about that one position he played. Yesterday, you had a guy who, in Cedric Abui, who they had to pick up off the scrap heap and start him at right tackle. The guy's been on like four or five different teams, and he was a first-round pick in 2015. There's a reason you bounce around that much. Dwayne Brown, God bless him, on the other side at left tackle. I mean, he's sitting there playing with a torn rotator cuff in one of his shoulders. He's like Humpty Dumpty. They're like putting them back together again before reaching every game. The dude's a warrior going out there. But he's not 100%. Those guys are fighting. Those guys are battling. I mean, think about how many injuries already they've had on the offensive line. So that's why the AVT loss is just as big. So if the line is not blocking and if they can't really generate a lot of holes in the run game, that's going to make it difficult for Michael Carter, James Robinson, Ty Johnson, whoever's back there. And... What the Patriots did yesterday is that now every other team that plays the Jets the rest of the season, until it changes, they're going to go to school on what New England did because they're just going to load the box. They're going to try to take away that Jet run game, and then they're going to dare the quarterback to beat them downfield. And it's just too much of the whole, like, scrambling and retreating. In the, it, it seems that... You know, if the first couple of reads aren't there, he's fleeing the pocket. And it's not like running sideways. It's running, like, backwards. It's almost like you're playing – it's like I'm watching a video game play out. Like, it's the things that we used to do as kids, like when we play Tecmo Bowl, like fooling around. Like, you'd take the quarterback, you'd have him run backwards, like, 30, 40 yards, and then you would hit the button to pass the ball just to see the ball, like, fly through the air, like, 50, 60 yards, how fun it looked on video games, on Nintendo. But this isn't Nintendo. This is NFL. And when you do all that stuff, and I understand that, you know, the escapability and if the pressure is on, you're trying to avoid the sacks, and I, I, I admire all that stuff. But the further back you retreat, it's not a video game. And you're going to be that much more hard-pressed to make a play down the field. And it's almost like the play's dead at that point. Or you can make a couple of awful decisions like you did in that game and throw the two interceptions because you're throwing it up to nobody. You know, there were situations, you look at that film yesterday, 
Step up in the pocket and even run if you have to. Run forward. That fourth and five play, I think it was in the fourth quarter, where he, th- he, he threw the ball to the end zone looking for Tyler Conklin, and he overshot him. All right, it wasn't a bad throw. I understand if the throw was a little bit better, or I mean a bad decision rather. You know, maybe he hits them there. But if you go back and you look at the film, he had room to run. It was like the parting of the Red Sea, and it was only fourth and five, and this is the guy who's supposed to be mobile. Step up, run forward, man, and slide. You would have had the first down. So it's just, I don't know if it's like a mental thing. And I'm sure the coaches are working with him. I'm sure in the meetings and all those things. But it's got to change. It's got to change if this team has to get or gets wants to get to where talent-wise they can get to. All right, let's talk to you at 800-919-3776. Ira's in Staten Island. Up next, 98.7 ESPN. Ira, how are you? Hey, good evening, Dan. Great breakdown, and I just ran through the game, and, you know, it's amazing. After you watch it, after you know the results, you see things differently, and you're right. You know, signing up at 5-3, and three, you know, it definitely would have taken that. It's just like, like you spelled it out, just everything going into yesterday's game, just, you know, finally maybe beating the pass, it just didn't pan out. But everything you said about Wilson, um, his reckless play, it just, it, it, it's just mind-numbing because – if you take away maybe four to six plays of that game with him throwing the ball, he actually played a fairly decent game. He made some decent throws, but you forget about those throws because of what he did in the second half. I mean, his first half was not bad. He did throw a bad pick early, but, you know, they over- overcame that. And then he takes him down the field after the Pats come out in the second half. And, by the way, that Franklin Myers play um, – he deserved that penalty. He launched himself. I, and I know what the rule is. It's ticky-tack. You know what, Ira? Happened. Ira, i got to be honest with you. I don't even know if I could call it a launch. Really? Yeah. It, it, you're, launching, you're launching at somebody if you maybe hit him with, let's say, he was coming at him from behind. If he, like, gives him a forearm shove to his back, I mean, he literally pushed him, Ira, with his two, just like you oh, push somebody you, in the back. You know? No, I know the con- the contact was not worth it, but I, it's probably just the- and I think he has a target on his back because he's known for getting these rough in the past penalties. The the one penalty that I thought was really atrocious was the C.J. Mosley, yeah. because uh, Mac Mac Jones lowered his head. Yeah. So you know, and, and you know, he he's a runner at that point. He's out. He's out running. But but getting back to Wilson, the ability is there. That's the most frustrating thing about this. He has all the athletic ability to become an NFL quarterback and be productive. It's what's going on between his ears. And, you know, I don't know what's going on in the meeting room. You think the coaches are telling him the right – I'm sure they're telling him the right thing to do. It's just he has to be responsible because he has – it's like you said, it's not schoolyard ball. This is the NFL. It's a professional business. He has to protect the ball better and live for another down. That's the bottom line. Live to see another down. It's a cliche. We say it a lot. Ira, thanks for the phone call. And that's what he's going to have to do if he wants to keep the job. And I know that Robert Sala said today in the press conference, he said it when he was on with the K show, that he's going to be the quarterback the rest of the year, even though Mike White has now been elevated to the number two job, which, all right, I mean, I, I, I get the logic from what the coach is saying there, that they want to see what they have in this guy, but I don't know if I would necessarily take that to the bank, what he said, that anything pretty much barring injury, he's going to keep the job. Well, are you sure? You know, if I, for instance, let's just say, if he continues to be a turnover machine and he plays reckless football, 
If you're Robert Sala, how do you go and you face that entire team if he's still going to be the quarterback? And he's literally throwing games away and giving games away. When everybody else is out there playing their heart out, playing good football, you know, live, livelihoods are on the line for each and every guy in that room. They're grown men, right? They got families to support, so on and so forth. Same with the coaches. Everybody in the organization. So I don't know necessarily. You hope that it never comes to that. But the bottom line, you know, you don't want to make any rash assessments after just one bad game. But the problem is, is that those bad habits that creep up like you saw yesterday, it's not like it's something we haven't seen before. We saw it as a rookie. And with the whole like razzle-dazzle, scrambling, retreating, running all over the field type thing, we saw that last week in Denver. A lot. Except he didn't make that critical mistake. He didn't throw one to the other team. We even saw it a little bit in Green Bay, but the difference was Green Bay, they ran the ball. Right? You had Brees Hall. Last week in Denver, you had Brees Hall break off that one big run before he got injured for a touchdown. Otherwise, you're going to have to find ways to move this football consistently despite the fact you can't also be reckless with it. Right? And that's the challenge here. And by the way, it doesn't get any easier. Buffalo Bills are coming to town this week. You thought that Patriot defense was good? I mean, you know, league-wide, Patriot defense is like average. They're like middle of the pack. This Buffalo defense coming in on Sunday, they're real good. Like, good, good, good. So if you couldn't block the Patriots, if you couldn't move the ball up and down the field against them, better tighten some things up because... That Buffalo team will just line up mano a mano and kick your butt. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. We come back, going to get into what Ira just mentioned and quite possibly what was the turning point of that game there at the end of the first half with that roughing the passer call. Dan Gross' show on a Monday, 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. And when you hear an explanation like that, that he hit him too hard, I, I, I just don't know how you're supposed to rationalize that with professional football. And I look, I know exactly what has been happening, and I know the concerted effort that the league has been making 
to try to ensure the safety of not just quarterbacks, all players, but, you know, more so the quarterback because they've got the ball in every play and everybody is generally, you know, on a, on a mission to rip their heads off on every single play, especially if you're on the opposing defense. But you think about how much of an impact and an effect that one call had on the game potentially. Now, we won't know. We could only speculate. Like Jordan Whitehead said today when he was meeting with the media that, if that call stood and it was a pick six for Michael Carter, Jets go up 17-3, he said, we blow them out. Well, don't know that, but certainly the momentum would have been all on the Jets' side. And I think it's almost a damn miracle that even when it was brought back, that they still managed to hold for even a field goal. Like I said, the defense kept answering the call pretty much all game long yesterday. And I'm look, I'm looking at this as a football fan. Not just because I'm with the Jets or anything like that. But to me, if I was watching that and it happened between, you know, Tennessee and Houston and I didn't have a dog in the fight, I wouldn't have thought that was roughing the passer. Okay? He didn't launch at the quarterback. He gave him a nice shove to his back. And it wasn't even like it was egregious like five seconds after he released the ball. It was almost a bang-bang play. Mac Jones threw the ball. And you want to talk about decision-making? Like, let's be fair. You know, we could sit here and say that Zach Wilson should have used better judgment on those two interceptions, but now this is almost going to be, like, forgotten about because the play never happened. Like, if you go back in the records, it's not going to show that Mac Jones threw an interception. Go back and look at that. Where in God's name was Mac Jones throwing that ball? There was an, a, a Patriot jersey within five miles of where he was. Th- that is the easiest interception that wasn't an interception that Michael Carter's ever going to have in his NFL career if he plays for another 20 years. He literally threw it right to him. That was called the pressure was bearing down on him. He was already sacked how many times up until that point in the football game, and he knew he had to get rid of the football. And when that happens and you keep getting hit, you sometimes get rid of the ball because you don't want to absorb any more pounding. And that's why I think he just threw it in Michael Carter's direction. But that wasn't roughing the passer. And you know another way to look at it is? Let's say the play stood and they picked up the flag, or they didn't even throw Let's say they didn't even throw the flag. It was just an 84-yard pick six from Michael Carter, Jets up 17-3. Do you realistically think that anybody who is a Patriots fan or on the Patriots sideline, a player, coach, anything, would be complaining to the referees, where's the flag for roughing the passer after that? No. Because it was a bang-bang play. It's football. Instead, the takeaway from a New England perspective would have been, where the hell was Mac Jones throwing that ball? And when you heard Robert Sala say that the explanation he got from the official was because he hit him too hard? I mean, he didn't say he hit him too late. He didn't say he hit him up high. He hit him too hard. (laughs) I mean... This is one of those examples where you might as well just get the flags out and put flags in their pockets, and we can play flag football. This isn't Nintendo. This is NFL. It's exactly what it is. Lou is in Bloomfield. He's up next, 98.7 ESPN. Louie, how are you? Hey, good. How are you? I got to tell Lou? you, the Wilson, the Wilson play, he just really has to grow up, and someone has to get him, sit him in the corner and say, listen, we could have been 6-2, and two going up against Buffalo this week. That would have been huge. There was no reason for him to throw those balls up like that. None whatsoever. 
I agree with you. And, and again, it's not even a situation. Lou, thank you for the phone call. I, I, I just want to reinforce this as many times as I can. All right. This wasn't same old Belichick confusing a young Jets quarterback. That had nothing to do with a design coverage or something confusing or a scheme. No, it was just a poor decision times two. It was trying to play hero ball and almost forgetting about the repercussions. Awful. I mean, sure, I guess he'd like to have them back. But it wasn't like there was anything that was being done on the other side by the defense that forced those throws to be made other than the fact that he was being flushed from the pocket. Jim in the car up next, 98.7 ESPN. Jimmy, how are you? Hey, Dan, how you doing? Good, Jim. I, I actually wanted to, I was going to say that uh, as bad as Zach Wilson played yesterday, the absolute worst play by a quarterback was that throw by Mac Jones that the referees gave him a mulligan on by throwing a ridiculous flag. I mean, I, I fully agree with Jordan Wyatt. If, if that stood, they would have finished him off because New England would have been playing from behind. The Jets would have been ahead. Even if they got that field goal and then the, the touchdown at the beginning of the half, the Jets would still be up. And I don't think Zach Wilson makes those stupid mistakes after the play if they are ahead. I think if they are ahead, they play differently. But also what bothers me is that, like Ira said, that hit C.J. Mosley, they called. I mean, that Jones was a runner. Where was the flag when Garrett Wilson got dragged down by his collar? That play, Garrett Wilson could have been injured badly. Yep. More than anything that Matt Jones would have happened to those other two plays. But the referees looked at that one and said, that's okay. I mean, that, that's why it was yesterday's game was completely unbelievable. And, it was, and you know what? Zach Wilson's play, he does need to improve, but when is Salah going to really put it into his head? I mean, come on, this is, we're at a point where it's coaching now. He's made, you make that mistake once, you make that mistake a second time, you've got to be sitting on the bench watching. You can't, well, you know uh, what it is, though, Jim? He, here's the thing, and I thank you for the phone call. Obviously, they're telling him these things. I mean, obviously, they're stressing that those are balls that you can't throw. We know, but we've seen this before. We saw it how many years ago with Mark Sanchez. You know, it was similar type of stuff, and they kind of made sure that, you know, remember they had the, like, the traffic light method with Sanchez, like the red, the green, the yellow, or this is a situation, it's a yellow, this is a green. You know, telling them when to throw it, when not to throw it. But you can't just blame it all on the coaches because after Mark Sanchez left the Jets, it's not like he really caught on any place else. As a starting quarterback, at least, he went from place to place to place to place before his career ended. Now he's doing a great job in the broadcast booth. You know, you're going to find out soon if whether or not he's going to be the answer. But is it too easy or is it a point where you say you jump ship on the quarterback? No, of course not. And they're not going to do that. And remember, it was just a few weeks ago. After the Jets beat Pittsburgh, the game that Wilson came back and, and you know, played that great fourth quarter. How many people were calling us in the postgame show saying that the Jets have their quarterback? They got the guy. You know, he shows that he could make the throws. He can deliver in the clutch, all those things. So you hope that it was just a bad day at the office and that he learned from these mistakes. 800-919-3776. Come right back. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Let's say hi to Mark in Newark. He's up next here on 98.7. What's up, Mark? Hey, Dan. How you doing? Good, my friend. How's things? 
Hey, things are good. Um, I'm just going to give my observation on uh, Zach Wilson. And strangely enough, it's it's uh, in comparison to my favorite NFL player. And you'll be surprised to know that that's Geno Smith. Mm-hmm. And I'm, this might sound crazy, but it, it's not. Just hear me out. Okay, so with what I did see, now I'm not a Zach fan yet, but I did see some things that I like. And those things are this. When Zach plays the play, in quotes, he looked terrific. Like those throws to Conklin, those throws, he missed that one to Mims wide open for a touchdown, but he threw it to Conklin on that play. Right. When he steps up into the pocket and lets the play play, so to speak, he he looks great. And I'm like, that's the guy I want. And he when did he stays that. Everybody's in the pocket. seen it with their own eyes. Mm-hmm. But what it, what's, what's hurting Zach is, he, and he, by his own admission, then he bails on the play before the play has a chance to do the, what it's designed to do. And if he keeps doing that, then what he's going to do, he, he's really his own worst enemy. He's stunting his own growth because he's not learning how to read the play. He's not learning how to trust that the coaches know that this play works if you run the play. But he's so busy wanting to play, like you said, hero ball. Gino used to do the same thing as a rookie at eight and eight. He was running backwards like Nintendo to throw forward. He doesn't do that n- anymore. It might have took him eight years to figure that out, but now he looks terrific. His arm is—he got a cannon for an arm too. But when he steps up, and he's athletic too. But when he steps up into the pocket and trusts the play, Gino looks fantastic. He's talking about him for MVP. Hmm. It's all worked for him this year, Mark, and I thank you for the phone call. And, and, and look, it's really not all that different than what we've been saying about what he needs to do. And, and, and here's the bottom line, and I don't know if this is something that's been told to him. I'm sure that it has. But the things that he was able to get away with, whether it was in peewee football, high school football, hell, even BYU, Playing that type of style, you know, the off-pocket throws, the off-platform, scrambling, running, still delivering the ball, making plays, that might have worked even in college. Not going to work in the NFL. Might work once in a while, but it's not going to work as regularly. And more often than not, you're going to be making mistakes because this is the highest level of football. And all these guys are good enough athletically to be able to make you pay for these mistakes and to the careless nature of protecting the football. That's the trouble. Now, I don't know if it's in one of these cuts here. We'll find out. After the game, let's hear Zach talking about playing outside the pocket. Right. Every time I get out of the pocket, it just gets frustrating to throw the ball away. And, and that's what I've done the last four weeks to put us in a good position to not turn the ball over and for us to win. And so I need to be able to keep doing that when something's not there. You know, it, it gets old getting out and not seeing anything there and trying to. And it's really only the last one that was I was really forcing. I mean, the one before that, I was truly trying to throw that ball away. Um, but I should have thrown it away sooner before Judon got that close to me. So, um, you know, it's 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 plays that the Patriots didn't didn't have any effect on those. I can't I can't do that. And what about on the I, uh, the interception specifically? I had some boneheaded plays. First, uh, second interception. I really meant to throw that ball away. Dude closed on me faster, kind of had me leave the ball inside. Um, can't mess with that. Got to sail it. And then the last one was just really, uh, I really just wanted to make a play. I sick of coming off the field, and, and I can't do that. You know, put my defense in a bad situation there. But no, all day, I, I didn't feel like I let that stuff bother me. You got little glimpses of that where instead of just, you know, it, it's frustrating, wanted to make a play, don't just want to keep coming off the field. Punting is not the worst option. You know, they said the same thing to Mark Sanchez. 
You know, they said to Mark Sanchez, you know, kicking at the end of a drive is not the worst thing in the world. You're either kicking an extra point off a touchdown, you're kicking a field goal to maybe give you some points, or you're punting the ball away because at least he didn't turn it over. Obviously, you want every drive to end at a touchdown, but living to see another down, living to see another play, sometimes those aren't the worst alternatives for you. And he'll figure this out, and he'll learn it, you know? Ironically enough, you know, this is a theme that we've been dealing with here with the Jets, at least as far as these young quarterbacks are concerned. Going all the way back to Mark Sanchez, then to Geno Smith, Sam Darnold, and now with Zach Wilson. Connor Hughes, my buddy from SNY, tweeted out earlier today, he compiled the statistics of those four Jet quarterbacks in their first 18 starts in the NFL. Believe it or not, the guy who was the best statistically in the first 18 starts out of those four, it was Sam Darnold. It was Sam Darnold, the guy who's got the lowest quarterback rating out of that group, first 18 starts, Zach Wilson. And a lot of it probably speaks to the turnovers, and that's got to get cleaned up. 800-919-3776. We'll do more on the Jets, of course, but we'll get into the Giants here as we kick off hour number two. Dan Gross' show, we roll till 10 on 98.7 ESPN.